What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Tuesday, September 14th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Josie Duffy-Rice, and this is What A Day, where we missed the Met Gala because we fell down a hundred times trying to put our outfits on. Let me just say, a meat suit? Not as easy as it looks. <laughs> People in my neighborhood had a lot of questions, uh, and they did not get the answers they were looking for. On today's show, the UN warns of a potential humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan. Plus, Facebook reportedly has a list of people it protects from being moderated. Uh, on the up and up, as always. But first, today is the day for California Governor Gavin Newsom. He faces a recall election that was launched by opponents who blamed him for a bunch of things. His response to the pandemic, immigration, crime, basically anything they could think of. During a campaign push yesterday, he toured the state with President Biden to survey the damage caused by wildfires. And while they were at it, Biden took several opportunities to praise Newsom. And the governor has led this state with poise and strong leadership. He's been an innovator in items of for long-term solutions. And he and I are both optimistic. Uh, I guess everybody is Gavin's best friend for <laughs> this final week. Uh, so for Newsom to get booted from the governor's mansion, there just needs to be a simple majority that votes in favor of a recall. And if he's replaced, the winner would be whoever got the most votes, no matter how small that overall share is. It is truly a crazy, crazy process. We're talking about the possibility of a person earning a tiny percentage of the overall vote share, becoming the governor of the country's most populous state. Now, polls right now say that if that happens, it is most likely to be conservative talk show host Larry Elder. And should Elder or another Republican win, it would have massive political implications for the state and the country overall. Yeah, it's frankly just kind of a, a mess, right? So we wanted to get a status report on where things stand. We have with us Marisa Lagos, politics correspondent at the Bay Area NPR station KQED and co-host of the podcast Political Breakdown. Welcome to What A Day. I'm super excited to be here. So a big question about the recall results hinges on motivation. Registered Democrats in California outnumber Republicans by almost two to one. But even just a few weeks ago, there were questions about whether those left-leaning voters really cared enough to cast a ballot. So what does it look like right now? It's looking a lot better for Newsom than it was, say, a month ago. I mean, my theory, because I came back from vacation when all these polls came out in early August, I think everyone was on vacation in July. They had just, like, checked out after the past year and a half, if you recall, we weren't even really talking about Delta variant in like early mm -hmm. July. Mm -hmm. right. So I think, you know, I think in a weird way, those polls showing this low interest by Democrats actually helped the governor because it really lit a fire under not just his campaign, but also all these advocates and other grassroots groups in California. Um, and so we've had just like several, probably three or four polls that essentially say, show the same thing over the past few weeks, which is close to 60 percent support for Gavin Newsom keeping 
sweeping his uh, office, so mm-hmm. a no on the recall. There's just this ceiling for Republicans here, and it seems like Democrats got the message and that they are coming out to vote. And I want to talk about what the Republican messaging has been given the conditions that you're talking about. Uh, So Trump told Newsmax that the election is, quote, probably rigged. That was last week. Already getting the ball rolling on this idea of a steal, which is like, you know, a theme we're seeing in a lot of these elections. Except meanwhile, the state's own Republican Party in California is trying to tell people to trust the process that's happening there. So how has that disconnect affected the willingness of conservative voters to cast a ballot? Is there some disconnect happening? Yeah, man. I mean, I think honestly, Jessica Milan Patterson, the head of the GOP here, might have like the hardest job in showbiz because she's <laughs> constantly having to deal with this. I think it, it, it's a little early to totally know because what we have seen in recent years is this weird pattern in California where it used to be only conservative voters voted early by mail. Now that's kind of flipped and progressives seem to be embracing that more. So I do think we're expecting kind of a surge of Republicans on Election Day today, actually like coming to the polls physically or dropping off their ballots. Folks who track this stuff say that it's not as big of a surge from the right as we might have expected. But it does seem Like that message, which, you know, as usual, chicken or egg, like did Trump start it? Did Fox News start it? Hard to tell who said it first. But this is this feedback loop that's happening. Don't trust it. I think there's a lot of concern among Republicans that it is leading to, you know, just this like shrug. I'll just stay home because it's not going to matter anyway. Mm. What are some of the big things that Democrats stand to lose at the state and national levels uh, if Newsom does get bumped from office? Um, I mean, in addition, obviously, to judges and parole decisions and appointments internally, a lot of people are kind of like wringing their hands on the left saying if Diane Feinstein were to step down, which I don't think she would do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she would even do it if Newsom survives because she hasn't yet. Right. Um, but, you know, she's approaching 90. What if something happened to her? That could flip the balance of power of the U.S. Senate. I mean, that's a few steps away from actually happening, but I think it's a real threat and sort of one of the most tangible things that you could actually do if you, you know, take the governorship as a Republican. I mean, beyond that, practically, Larry Elder, who it looks like would win if if Newsom's recalled, has promised day one to eliminate all the COVID mandates and restrictions Mm -hmm. that Newsom has, right? We are doing far better with this virus than most of the nation. We have very high vaccination rates. Um, That has become the centerpiece of this campaign. But I, I should also note, though, that this would be a very short-lived governor no matter what, because we have a regularly scheduled governor's election next November. So whoever wins, whether it's Newsom or one of these candidates, they're going to have to run again next fall. So I think the question is for Newsom, assuming he survives, how strong does he look? Does he get a challenge from the left? I mean, right. I think there's a lot of sort of bigger questions about the po- political implications that we won't know the answers to until we see the numbers. The Delta question really, maybe this is the best timing for him because we're now at this point where if you look at the map, California looks pretty good um, compared to like where I am in Georgia. And Newsom obviously isn't the only governor facing backlash for these measures or different kinds of health mandates, but he may be unique in that his potential survival seems to be thanks to those very mandates as well. I mean, it's also important to note, like this recall petition was filed before COVID was a thing, right? right. So if you look at the language, it's not about COVID-19 mandates. It's about illegal immigration, which obviously a governor has like very little control over. It's about crime and criminal justice reform, which 
are not catching fire with voters as an issue, even mm-hmm. though people are worried about crime, like crime increasing. Right. I actually think it's really fascinating because like both sides have dug into this pandemic issue. And I think it's a little bit of a preview for next year's midterms where yes. like instead of running from this, Democrats are like, yeah, he shut it down and it was the right thing. And here mm-hmm. here's why. <laughs> this is where the parties are kind of positioning themselves. Right. Mm. And, and what do you think the rest of a Newsom term could look like? Like, what has he sort of learned about <laughs> governing from any of this, if anything at all? That's a good question. Do politicians learn things? I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I've been covering this guy since he was mayor, and I think a lot of his shortcomings are the same ones I saw 15 years ago mm. um, when he was far younger. But, you know, I do think the one sort of positive that could come out of this for Newsom, assuming he looks strong and there's not like a sort of progressive challenge from the left next year that's credible, there was a lot of frustration among lawmakers and the kind of Democratic establishment, I think, during the pandemic that they didn't feel like they were treated as a partner, that Newsom really did do a lot of this by executive order and authority. Um, I think this has had a kind of coalescing effect for Democrats here. I mean, we saw, you know, him and Harris together. And it's funny because she introduced Gavin Newsom is my dear friend, Gavin. And I'm like, uh, you guys don't even like each other. Like, <laughs> I've been covering them forever. They're kind of like frenemies, you know, as people are who are like always competing for the same seats. Right. Um, but, you know, when you have an opponent to like focus on, it really like makes you all come together. So right. I think that might be the biggest thing that he might just have some like goodwill from this legislature to potentially get some stuff done. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to make the case again in a year. And none of the problems that he campaigned on fixing have been fixed I don't think any one governor could fix most of them. But, like, I think people want to see progress on that stuff. So that is going to be the question is, like, can he, you know, do some things around, especially fires and homelessness? There, it's just such a big sort of, like, visceral thing when you're sitting here in California. Right. So something that we talked about a little bit earlier and that you mentioned is the criticism about how these recalls come about and how they operate. And it's been called, I've seen it called anti-democratic time after time again, I think, in the past few weeks, right? What does this look like in the future, right? Like, is this, if you're a California governor, is it just frequent recall pushes your sort of entire, you know, uh, time in office from this point forward? Or is there real momentum to reform the California recall system? Well, there's certainly, at least in this moment in time, uh, seems to be a lot of support. We saw a UC Berkeley poll come out uh, just this week that essentially showed that while like voters overwhelmingly in California like direct democracy, they don't want to give up their recall authority. They don't want to give up their initiative authority, which is the other thing we all end up talking about, like when we have our crazy 25 initiative ballots. Right, right, right. But... They do seem to be very open to the idea of changing some of the kind of nitty gritty. So we mentioned at the top that, like, theoretically, millions of people could vote to keep Newsom in office and a very small fraction of that could pick his replacement. Right. So that was the biggest thing. This idea that instead of having just like a two question ballot, that you would have an actual runoff between two top candidates um, after a recall was approved. But. I mean, first of all, it'd have to go before voters. And second of all, like those campaigns are super expensive. So who's going to back that? Like who who's the good government group that wants to spend that money in political capital and like what it would bring you politically if you're, you know, the elected official who decides that that is their issue? Like, is that 
is that going to speak to people enough to really like make it worthwhile? I don't know. Mm hmm. Lastly, uh, the polls close tonight. Um, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but what is the timeline for when we might see the final outcome here? I think we're going to have a pretty good sense tonight at the risk of making predictions, which we all promise not to do after 2020. <laughs> but unless it's very close, we will probably have a good sense of it tonight. Um, if not, I think in the coming days for sure. But I will say again, like, I don't think we should be writing the postscript on this as political journalists until we know the final numbers, because it is possible that it could be closer or further apart even if even if the outcome is clear, like the actual details of it, I think it, it's going to take a few weeks to kind of sort out. Right. This has been wonderful. Marisa Lagos is a correspondent for KQED's California Politics and Government Desk and the co-host of the podcast Political Breakdown. Thank you so much for being with us today and being so generous with your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And remember that if you are a voter in California and have yet to cast a ballot, do it now, now, right now. Go do it right now. Do it in person. Or if you're mailing it in, make sure it's in the mailbox today so it's got today's postmark on it. And that's the latest for now. It is Tuesday, Watt Squad, and for today's Temp Check, we are talking about the perils of thinking differently. Nicki Minaj revealed herself to be unvaccinated yesterday. Yes, she did, explaining her absence from this year's Met Gala, where vaccines are required. And one of her primary reservations seems to be tied to a problem with her cousin's friend's balls. So after tweeting to her 20-plus million followers that she won't get the shot until, quote, she has done enough research, end quote, Nikki dropped an absolute bomb on the timeline with this post, quote, my cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied. <laughs> Nikki went on to say she will probably get vaccinated at some point so that she can go on tour by which point her research will presumably have concluded. But Josie, what was your take on this extremely captivating saga? Honestly, there's so much here. I want to know about the marriage. I want to know. I, I, mm -hmm. I really need a lot of information, but I got to say that I'm just very grateful. I don't know anything about my cousin's friend's testicles. Nothing about <laughs> them. Not a that's, single that's, one. That's bizarre because most people have that knowledge sort of firsthand for situations yeah. exactly like this. Yeah, it's true. I'm, a, I'm an outlier. Yeah. Um, whenever anybody is saying they're conducting research, I, again, I really want like a behind the scenes, like those like uh, B-rolls of people in like old things about hacking where it would show them like on the computer sort of like voraciously typing. Like I need to see some behind the scenes shots of like what websites Nikki's going to, how this research is taking place. I want to know more. Honestly, I feel like the only winner in this situation is actually the cousin's friend who got out of a marriage that was not going to be working for him long term. So win-win or he wins, everybody else loses. Um, and he's vaccinated. So, you know, uh, right. could be worse for him. He has protection from the virus which the vaccines afford you uh contrary to what this thread may have been suggesting and he also uh may have dodged a potential bullet there and just like that we have checked our temps if 
you find out who this cousin is or you somehow have more research, definitely let us know. Uh, We'll be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. One million Afghan children are at risk of starvation and death, and millions of Afghans could run out of food in the coming months. Top United Nations officials warned of such horrendous circumstances during a high-level UN conference in Geneva yesterday. Afghanistan under the new Taliban regime is on the brink of a humanitarian crisis, After the nation's poverty rate has risen, cross-border trade has paused, many local businesses have been closed, and food prices have soared. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said that one in three Afghans do not know where they will get their next meal, and went on to say this. The people of Afghanistan need a lifeline. 
after decades of war, suffering and insecurity, they face perhaps their most perilous hour. Yeah, and more than $1 billion in aid pledges were made at the convention. However, the international community is still grappling with what their foreign relations with the Taliban will actually look like, given the organization's history of human rights abuses and violence. Just devastating. Uh, I feel like that's what we say every time we talk about Afghanistan, but it's yeah. really just devastating for the Afghan people. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken testified before Congress yesterday about the Biden administration's withdrawal from Afghanistan. This was the first time he's been heard by Congress since the Taliban's takeover and the first Biden administration official to publicly speak out about how the withdrawal unfolded. Blinken ultimately defended the Biden administration's decision, blaming the Trump administration for not providing a plan after making the initial decision to withdraw and claiming there was no evidence to suggest that remaining American forces could have stabilized the situation. He also announced that he will be naming a State Department official to oversee efforts to assist women in Afghanistan. Blinken is set to testify again later this week. The first trial associated with the Varsity Blues scandal kicked off yesterday, two years after it turned our entire world upside down by revealing that rich people use their wealth and connections to unfairly get their kids into college. Josie, I am glad you are sitting down for this. I'm just shocked. They don't even know what to say. <laughs> 33 out of 50 parents and athletic coaches involved in the scandal have pleaded guilty. That includes actors Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin. The trial that began yesterday is of two parents who haven't pleaded guilty, both high-powered executives. They are accused of spending $300,000 and $1.2 million, respectively, to turn their kids into star athletes on paper. Their attorneys say they thought those donations were legal, and they're actually victims of evil admissions consultant Rick Singer. Incredible name. Uh, either way, these people are now locked in a tight contest with Elizabeth Holmes to be the world's least sympathetic defendant in a criminal trial. We'll have more details as the trial unfolds. Facebook's campaign to control misinformation has been thwarted yet again by its very worst enemy, Facebook. Rats. New reporting from The Wall Street Journal revealed that Facebook uses a secret system called CrossCheck to give some 5.8 million high-profile users protection from their content moderation rules, often allowing them to violate Facebook's rules without any consequences. Mm. The list includes celebrities, politicians, and journalists. Among them are Trump, Candace Owens, Dan Scavino, and at least one animal influencer named, get ready, Doug the Pug. <laughs> Facebook developed CrossCheck to avoid situations where its automated system deleted posts from these users that actually didn't violate their rules. And the users would complain... So in essence, Facebook wanted to avoid bad PR, and in doing so, it let itself become the go-to source for information about which babies elite Democrats are eating or <laughs> injecting at any given moment. Oy. Facebook knows its system is indefensible. A 2019 internal review said of its content moderation policies towards influential users, quote, uh, just a great quote, quote, we are not actually doing what we say we do publicly. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you know, I went to law school. It's been a long time, but <laughs> I feel like you're not supposed to put that in writing. Um, yeah. They do teach you that. <laughs> they have so many are we the baddies moments right. in these internal meetings. Where they I think know. It's truly, insane. truly incredible. Well, those are the headlines. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, send a friend request to Doug the Pug, and tell your friends to listen. 
And if you are into reading and not just identifying info about Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend, like me, <laughs> What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. I'm Gideon Resnick. And help, and help us, us stand up, up so that we can, can go, go to, to the, the Met, Met Gala. Gala. Yeah. Uh, I have a I have an ACL tear. We need we need everybody listening to to give us a hand. It would maybe be easier for me to call what a day is a production of crooked media it's recorded and mixed by charlotte landis sonia tun and jazzy marine are our associate producers our head writer is john milstein and our executive producers are leo duran and me our theme music is by colin gilliard and kashaka As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com.